0: All right, thank you so much, Pastor. I appreciate that. And as we, I am excited about getting into a Sunday school lesson tonight. I do miss uh, being able to teach Sunday school each week. I miss my church family, and I'm just thankful for each one of you. Uh, Tonight we're going to look at um, some tough tough questions. We're in a section in the Sunday school material uh, where we're talking about uh, answers to tough questions. And this one's one of the questions I've heard several times in my lifetime. Uh, Where did Cain's wife come from? And so we're going to begin in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter four tonight. Genesis chapter four. Uh, before we get there, um, one of the things that this material points out is, first of all, why is it vital to know the full context of any story, account, or statement? And uh, so, why why is it vital to know that? Well, obviously, if you don't know the whole context, uh, then you're not going to get um, the whole benefit of the story. I appreciate. Uh, the stuff that the men inject into different uh, parts of their stories. And and they tell us, with having been to Israel, uh, they are able to blend that in and tell us a little bit about that. Uh, But it's good to have the whole story. Uh, Think of some Bible verses, for example, one of the ones we quote here all the time is that all things work together for good. Uh, And then if you don't read that whole text, you don't realize... Uh, It's for those that love God and that are called according to His purpose. And so that's the first um, question. And then second, what can happen if we don't know the full context? Well, obviously we can be mistaken in uh, what we're talking about and we miss a part of the story. I don't know about you, but if I hear a story, I want to hear all the details, especially when it comes to the Bible, and I'm thankful for that. Um, Again, today we're going to look at a particular question that people often ask that they think may undermine the authority of Scripture and, know, and how knowing the full context of the Scripture on that issue helps us answer the question. Anytime uh, we're faced with a tough question, we should always go to the Bible. And of course, once we're in the Bible, we need to look at the different context that goes with that. Uh, so again, uh, the next slide mentions that uh, the age-old question-answer, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, um, we're going to talk about a little bit of background. Um, from Genesis here on Cain and Abel and of course on Adam and Eve as it all ties in together and uh, let me open with a word of prayer before I really uh, dive into tonight's message so uh, let's bow for prayer Heavenly Father thank you so much for your blessings to us thank you for the opportunity to preach and Lord I pray that you take what I say and you would bless it Lord I pray people be open to the scripture and Lord we're just thankful for all you do for us we thank you for salvation Thank you for a home in heaven. We just praise you tonight. Give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, our objectives tonight, as we look at our next slide, our objectives are know that Scripture explains that Adam and Eve had other um, sons and daughters who could marry at that time. And uh, think, these are there are logical answers to questions people use to challenge the authority of Scripture. And uh, you know, a couple of the questions that the Sunday school curriculum already Asked a couple weeks back, uh, Mike talked about uh, the origin of things and what the Bible has to say about that. And then tonight, as we look at this question again, uh, Scripture has the answer. We've seen it many times scientifically. Um, you know, men thought that the world was flat, but the Bible has always said that the Bi- that the earth was round. And uh, so, as you look at, as you look at things like that, the Bible is never going to steer us wrong, and it's never going to contradict. Um, what, obviously what, this is God's word, so it's not going to contradict Himself. And so um, and then of course, the next objective to do, um, being ready to explain that Cain could marry a close relative in that day uh, without any moral or biological dilemmas. And by the time we get done with this lesson, that'll be the goal that you'll see that and that you'll understand there is a, a biblical answer to that question. All right. well, let's get into our first point tonight was, which, which is, was Cain's wife from the land of Nod, or was she a close uh, relative? And uh, we're going to find that in Genesis chapter 4. So if you'd open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4, starting with verse 1, and we are going to take our time in this uh, passage of Scripture uh, to see the background here of, of the story. So in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, it says this. And, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived. And bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Verse two. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse three. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering. He had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell." So before we move forward in that, if you look at those first five verses, it talks about Adam and Eve having Cain and Abel. And one, Cain being a bearer of the ground, and a tiller of the ground, it says. And then it says, uh, Abel was a shepherd. He brought the firstlings of his flock. And so as you look at that, both men had something to bring as an offering unto the Lord. Again, Um, It wasn't the type of offering that was the problem, it was the hard attitude and the things that were, uh, the way uh, Cain approached that. And again, it says in verse um, 4 that the Lord, at the end of verse 4 it says, The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Uh, But then verse 5 says, But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So as you think about Cain's attitude towards God and towards his uh, sacrifice, um, Cain was very wroth. We all get angry at times, and sometimes in life we're we're basically selfish people and we're prideful people, and when we're we're questioned on things, we we because of pride and because of other things um, that can get our anger up. And it says his countenance fell. Your countenance. Is, is what you, uh, it's really what's on the inside that represents what comes out externally. It may be our facial expression. It could be what we say in response to something. And, uh, you know, and Cain here is um, very distraught at the fact that God did not accept his offering. But, you know, as God always has been from the beginning of time, God is always patient with us. Um, I think of how patient God has been in my life to me, and um, and just patient all the time. When we say God is the God of second chances, uh, really the God, he's the God of multiple, multiple cha- uh, chances. And uh, one of the things I love about scripture is that it not only shows the people in scripture their successes, but it shows their failures as well. Because uh, I don't know about you, but it'd be pretty tough to read the Bible and just realize that everybody in the Bible was perfect. And then to see myself in the mirror and to see my life and say, wow, I sure messed up there and I, I messed up here. Uh, It would be discouraging, but God knew that. And in his infinite wisdom, he put in the scripture that um, both the successes and failures of people. So as we go forward uh, with verse six here, um, God's going to use this to teach Cain why his sacrifice was wrong and why uh, he doesn't need to have an attitude now and that if he'll just correct what he's doing and do it the way God had intended, things would be right again. But see, Cain isn't ready to hear this, He's, but as we, as we go, let's take a look here. It says in verse 6, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thou countenance fallen? Then in verse 7, he says this, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that's probably impossible with this particular story for most of you, and that is to forget what happens next in the story, because all, all of us know what happens next, at least most of us do, and, and, but I want you to see, okay, this is a turning point, verse 7. God tells Cain, he says, if you doest well, in other words, what does God mean by if we doest well? Well, he means if you'll do it the way I intended, with everything from, with, with God, we need to do it with the right heart attitude. And Cain did not do that. He didn't do it with the right heart attitude. And so look what God tells him here. He says, if thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Well, right now, God is telling Cain literally sin is lying at the door. And he has a choice like all of us, which path to take, the right path or the wrong path. I don't know about you, but in my life, Many times I've taken the right path, but also many times I've taken the wrong path. And uh, we all know the wrong path leads to destruction. And uh, when we go on the right path, we do it God's way, then we have success. When we go down the wrong path and we do it our way, then we don't have that same... uh, We we can't say that we're successful in that. And it usually blows up in our face because um, we just uh, do not do it God's way. And so... He says here, sin lieth at the door, and then it says, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Let's go on to verse eight here, and it says, and Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. And we saw that in verse eight, Uh, that's exactly what God was telling Cain. Look, right now you're very wroth. That's what the Bible said. Your countenance is not good; it's fallen. And God, God says to him, if you do right then, then, then you'll be, your sacrifice will be accepted unto me. And then, but Cain, what does Cain do? He lets his anger get the best of him, and he commits the first murder, and he kills his brother, Abel. And he, the Bible says he um, slew him. And then verse 9, God cries out to Cain, and he says, Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel my brother? And he said, I know not. Am I brother's keeper? Look what God says to him, verse 10. And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. You know, one thing about sin, we can hide it from a lot of people and from a lot of different areas, but God already knows about it. God sees all. There's no, you know, we, we have light, we have darkness, and we can't see very well in the dark. But God can see all things. So we can't hide it. And, and, and we see that um, through all this, even after the murder Cain's, countenance, His wrath has not changed because he answers God in a very flippant way. Uh, he says to God, he says, "Am I my brother's keeper? Well, Cain, that's, it's amazing that that was his response to God, but I often think, how many times my own response to God has been incorrect and not been right. And you know it, really, what does God want from us? A broken and contrite heart, the scripture says. So how do we get a humble and a contrite heart? We turn to God and allow him to break. Many of you are familiar with Camp Ironwood and their symbol is a broken eye. The eye's tilted. And what that means is when you say yourself is broken, what that means is you've taken your will and you've submitted to God's will. And that's what we all need to do and we fight that battle daily to submit to God's will rather than our own will. And so really that's the battle Cain had. And um, I believe Cain does come around in part of the scripture um, as I've read over it many times, um, you just see that Cain does get the point eventually. Uh, at, at, everything at the beginning is from selfish and self-serving reasons, but at the end he kind of gets gets this. So let's, uh, let's move fe- forward a little more. Verse 11 here. It says, And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And then verse 12 says, When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. So we see here God's punishment to Cain. He says, Cain, you're going to have to work hard. And even when you work hard, things are not going to come to you like they should. And it says here, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And so um, you think about Cain's punishment. Does it sound hard? In some ways, yes, but... God obviously could have put him to death for murdering his brother, could have taken his life. But God takes mercy on Cain. And you don't always see this in the story. When you just read through chapter 4 quickly, you don't see that God takes mercy on Cain here. Look at verse 13. It says, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. One thing, if you've lived the Christian life at all, uh, just trying to live the Christian life, A lot of times we feel like whatever we're going through is greater than we can bear. But see, God knows exactly, exactly how much we can bear. You know, a long time ago, I used to really be interested in this comic series called Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with that comic strip, but Calvin Hobbes, one day he asked his dad this question. I was thinking about it when they were showing this video about the dads. But he asked his dad this question. He says, Dad how do they know the weight limit to put on bridges? And his dad says, they drive heavier and heavier trucks over the bridge. Once the heaviest truck breaks the bridge, they rebuild the bridge, and that's how they know how much weight they can do. Now obviously, as crazy and silly as that sounds, um, it's the way we act towards God sometimes. We ask him kind of a silly question, and Cain here saying, my punishment is greater than I can bear. One of the reasons I personally believe Cain said that was because he's going to, have to, he's going to have to live with the guilt of killing his brother the rest of his life. Um, in some ways, death would have been the easy way out for Cain. When you hear about his punishment from God and what he's going to have to go through, um, you know, he, he looks at this. He thinks it's greater, but God always knows better than us. And in verse uh, 14, Cain goes on to say this, behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth and from my, thy face shall I be hid and I shall be a fugitive and vagabond in the earth and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. In other words, Cain says to God, you're going to cast me out. I'm already going to have it rough. I'm going to live as a fugitive and vagabond and somebody is going to come and they're going to kill me because I've killed my brother, Abel. But look what God's response is as we move into verse 15 here. And it says, the Lord saith unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken out on him, or excuse me, shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So you think about this is where I see as I read through this passage, I see a couple ways God showed a lot of compassion towards Cain. When he first, when his first his sacrifice was not accepted by the Lord, the first thing God did what any good father should do, and that was instruct his children the way to do it correctly the next time, and that you can make things right. It's not, it's not too late to make things right. That was when God first showed his mercy towards Cain, and then as Cain ignored that message and killed his brother Abel, uh, then God s- allows him to live. That's his second um, compassionate thing that I think God does for Cain. He allows them to live after this sin. Then, as Cain complains about, well, hey, I'm going to be a a fugitive, a vagabond. It's greater than I can bear. And he says, somebody's going to kill me. And God says to them, if anybody tries to kill you, I'm going to put a mark on you. Anybody tries to kill you, my vengeance is going to be taken out on them sevenfold. So you think about it. God still saw a purpose in Cain. And as we think about that, that's kind of hard to think about because you think about somebody that's committed murder. I I say this often when I speak. A lot of times we take our sin and we categorize it. We say, you know, we we won't even call it a lie. We'll say, hey, a a little white lie over here. We'll say that's a little white lie. That's not so bad. I mean, look at Cain. He committed murder. What's a little white lie compared to murder? You know, the truth of the matter is all sin is sin to God, regardless of whether we categorize it as a small sin, a medium sin, a large sin, it's all sin and needs to be dealt with with God. I love the, the verse in 1 John, that 1 John 1 9, that says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us from our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? When we mess up, I've heard it say, when we mess up, we fess up to God and he forgives us from all of our sin and will cleanse us. And he cleanses us on the inside. We can go in the shower or the bathtub and clean the outside, but we can't clean the inside. And God does that for us. And God knows we're going we're gonna to make mistakes. And even with Cain here, he says, hey, Cain, don't worry. You go out there and you live your life with the confidence that if anybody tries to, uh, to uh, has the idea that they're going to take your life that they'll be avenged sevenfold. So what does that tell me? God cares about every human being he's ever created. Is it ever too late to get saved? Think about it. Is there any person that has sinned so far that they can't get saved? No, of course not. Our God is the great Savior and can, uh, anyone can trust Christ as their Lord and Savior um, just by trusting in what he did for us at the cross of Calvary. And that's the great thing about our Savior also, the Bible says this about, about people, that God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. You know what that means? He loves you and I equally. He loves Cain as much as he loved you and I. Um, God created, all, uh, create, created everyone that ever has been born, is living now, and uh, will live or be born in the future. And that's uh, sometimes that's hard to wrap around because isn't our love conditional sometimes? We love people and we love the ones that treat us well. We love when it's easy to love, but then when it's hard to love or when it's some, somebody that maybe rubs us the wrong way, that, that's tough. But for God, it says God is no respecter of persons. And so uh, as we go a little further here on this and, and we talk about this, let's look at verse 16 and then 17 here. Uh, verse 16 says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. Verse 17, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Now think about Cain who thought, hey, my life is is just, nothing good can come from this. I'm going to have to live as a fugitive, a vagabond. I'm going to have to, uh, no matter what I do to till the ground and do those things, it's not going to develop the fruit that it used to do. But you know what? God allows him." to have a wife. And God allows him to have a child. And he's still, the, the, we all know the joy of the day we got married. And we all know the joy uh, when, we've had our, when we've had our first child. And you know, of course, when you get to those points in your life, but we all have, we all have the joy of knowing that. So Cain got to still enjoy those things. So I see that as the, at least the third time God showed compassion towards Cain. You know, I talk to a lot of people, and a lot of times when you're trying to lead somebody to the Lord, they want to clean up their life before they come to God. And the problem with that is what we all know. We have to come as we are to God, and then God's the one that does the cleaning. See, our salvation doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on what I've done right or wrong in my life. What it depends on is that I trust that Jesus Christ died for me on a cross. I've seen all, today and all the music that we've, ta- we've seen today, it's been about the cross, you know, and so we look to the cross and what Jesus did on that cross for, for you and for me, he died so that we could have a home in heaven. And again, maybe you're sitting there watching tonight and you're thinking, God can't love me. Well, the fact is he already does. It's, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us and he loved Cain. This proof is in this passage that he loved Cain, even though Cain committed murder. And we'd think, wow, that is a terrible crime. And it is killed his own brother the truth is God loved Cain he loved Abel too but he loved Cain as well and so we got to remember that when we and know maybe you're already a Christian maybe you mess up and you say God you you can't use me anymore I've messed up one too many times you, we see in this passage very clearly that God still had a plan for Cain's life even though he messed up so we got to remember that when we mess up we got to confess it we got to get back up and do what God, wants us to do. It's not too late to do that as long as we're drawing breath on this earth. And so that's exciting. So as we've looked at uh, the first 17 verses, now we can start to address uh, the, the topic of where did Cain's wife come from. And so uh, jump with me if you would to Genesis chapter 5. And we're going to just look, we're still under point number one here about was Cain's, Cain's wife from the land of Nod or was she a close relative? So look at chapter five, verses one through four, and that'll give us a little bit of insight into this. So it says in verse one, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them um, and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Verse three says, and Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness, and after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam, uh, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years. And then this is the part we want to focus in on. Uh, Two things. First of all, his length, that he lived 800 years beyond that uh, for a total of 930 years. And then uh, it says he begat sons and daughters. Um, Look at the next slide here. If we can just go on to the next slide there, please, Mark. And it says here, we must assume that Cain did indeed marry his sister or a close relative such as a niece. And one of the things I want you to see here, and uh, bear with me, i buried my notes here, there they are. Um, one of the, why, how do we know that? Well, let's look at a couple things. Besides verse 4, we look at that, but look, look back in uh, Scripture. Uh, I want to mention a couple things. First of all, in Genesis chapter three and verse twenty, it mentions that Eve is the mother of all living. See, because what a lot of people do when they when they when they talk about the question of who did Cain marry, they like to say, well, by now there had to be other people on the earth so that uh, Cain maybe went out and married someone that was already out there, or maybe God, in other words, we have the story of where God created Adam and Eve. Well, maybe God also created other families and therefore there was other people to choose from. Well, the problem with that is Adam called his wife name, named Eve because she was the mother of all living. In order for Eve to be the mother of all living, that has to be true. In other words, she, she started with Adam and Eve and, and so on. And then we know that we have the record, we just read the record in chapter five of Seth uh, being born. And then it goes on to say they had sons and daughters and for a person that's going to live 930 years, uh, think of how many children they may have had. I don't, the, As far as I know, the Bible does not address all of that, uh, the, the, but we do have different lineages in the Bible and so on that are there. So we've got to keep that in mind that in Genesis 3.20, it says that Eve is the mother of all living. We already looked at Genesis chapter 5, those first few verses that said they had sons and daughters. And of course, Adam and Eve were to carry out way back in Genesis chapter one and verses twenty six through twenty eight. It's it told God uh, it told us that God created man, and that we were to be fruit, they were to be fruitful and multiply. And so as you look at these things, and we say, okay, um, we we look at we must assume from the scripture that we have that Cain did indeed marry either his sister, or a close relative such as a niece in there. Um, now. Let's uh, jump to the next slide here, and it says, how does Genesis 5:4 reveal where Cain's wife came from? Well, again, uh, Genesis 5:4 said, in the days of Adam after he'd begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. So, again, let's put it together. He's the mother of all living things. Okay, uh, At that time, when Cain and Abel are there, and then uh, you have the first family, which is Adam and Eve, that's who's there on the earth. And he, it goes on to say that he has, uh, they have sons and daughters. And so that's obvious if you put that together that uh, Cain would have married somebody there. Um, then it says, uh, why should we be ready to explain why this was accepted at this early time in history? Well, I want you to think about a couple things, and we're, we're going to talk about that in the next passage a little bit more. But I want you to think of about at creation. Um, it's going to be 2,500 years before the uh, Mosaic covenant with the new laws are given, where it's then forbidden to to marry your own sister and so on and those kind of things. A couple of things that we're going to look at also, just a little bit later in the message, we're going to look at um, that scientifically, if if Adam and Eve are the first two people, God created them, and Cain and Abel uh, uh, follow, and then, of course, the others, their other two, uh, brothers and sisters follow. There's been no uh, mutation. You think about. It, we all have a DNA strand. Comes from our parents. Comes through our family line. And there's it's not there's no place for uh, corruption yet. And that's one of the reasons, uh, of course, against incest for different reasons, both morally and biological, is that it can uh, turn up uh, mutations in the in, in the actual DNA. And so. Let's go ahead and go forward, though, and we'll touch on that a little bit more um, as we move forward here. Okay, so let's go on to the next point, which is, uh, does Cain's marrying a sister or niece present a biological dilemma, first of all? Uh, biologically, is, is there a problem there? Um, in, the, in the passage we're going to give here, it just gives one verse, and that's Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. And this is what God said here in Genesis 131. It says, and God saw everything that he had made. Now, this is right after, uh, uh, right after he had done everything. And he says, God saw everything that he had made. Behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Uh, we all know that God created man on the sixth day. And he's, he's, he's finished creation at the end of six days. He's going to rest on the seventh day as a pattern and an example to us. And he says here uh, uh, that everything is very good. And so as one of the things we talk about as we're talking about, uh, well, let's go ahead and go on to the next slide, and it kind of covers that. Let's go on to that next slide. It says, God declared his creation as very good at the end of Genesis chapter 1. Therefore, Gain could have married his sister or any other close relative without any biological risk because human genetics were still very good. Again, I kind of touched on that a minute ago. There's, there hasn't been any mutation in those in that DNA strand. Uh, everything is good, and when uh, you remember what the Bible says, when God says when He calls something good, no one else can call it not good. Okay, and so again, um, the genetics are good still. God says very good. Um, then the next slide it says why is it is important that we have a basic understanding of how genetics work. Again, it's coming down to uh, from our uh, our family line of how we get our DNA strand here. And it says, uh, when, it, when we're trying to address a question like, whom did Cain marry? And so, again, this particular note on the notes is just looking at biologically. Is there a dilemma? Well, based on creation in Genesis and what God says at the end of chapter one, the answer is no to that. There's no biological dilemma or problem uh, at this time in history. Okay. Um, and so, as we look at that and we talk about those... Let's look at the next slide. It says, how should this discovery uh, through genetics encourage us as believers? Well, one is that, the, we mentioned this before, but the Bible lines up with science. And again, when we, when we say science, we're talking about the true method. One of the, one of the things I'm very disappointed with as an educator in today's day and age is that science, some scientists have thrown out the scientific theory. Well, what, what does that mean? A scientist comes up with a theory for something, and then in order before it's fact, the the theory has to be proven. You have to test it, and it has to be proven. The problem in our society today is many scientists have gone from I've got a theory to this is what you must believe. And it hasn't been scientifically tested, it hasn't been scientifically proven. Uh, Again, the scientific method is a simple four steps, but you have to follow all four steps of the theory to get to where it's a proof. And again, it has to prove that it exists. So the, the, the Bible's not going to contradict science if science does the job it's supposed to do. And of course, many of us, we've heard different Christian scientists uh, uh, preach and different things uh, that, are, that, that um, the Bible lines up very clearly with that. All right, let's jump on to the next part. We've talked just briefly about the biological a dilemma and that it's not a dilemma at all because it's, it's, the, the line was good. Then let's look at a moral dilemma. The next slide says, does Cain's marrying a sister or niece present any kind of moral dilemma? Well, to answer that, we're going to go into Leviticus just for a few verses. So if you go to Leviticus 18 here, uh, Leviticus 18 and verses 6. So let's go there. Leviticus 18, 6 says, None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. Now, I'm going to read the rest of these, but remember, what I'm reading right now is out of the Mosaic Law. This is 2,500 years approximately, not exactly, but approximately 2,500 years after um, we, the situation we talked about with Cain, Okay, before the Mosaic Law is put into, um, is put in here. Okay? Now, again, let me, read, let me go ahead and read forward. Verse 7 says, The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. Verse 8 goes on to say, um, The nakedness of thy father's wife shall uh, thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. Then verse 9 says, The nakedness of thy sister, the daughter of thy father or daughter of thy mother, whether she be born or born abroad, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover. So in this little passage here in Leviticus, it talks about uh, if this would have happened at this point in history, this would have become a moral dilemma. But because it happened in the time frame when it did happen, um, it, 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 it was okay for Cain to marry his relative. Now, we look at that and we say, why spend time covering that? Okay, let me, let me tell you, I went through, a long time ago in this church, went through a, a, a plan that talked about soul winning. One of the things it, that, that the person that was giving the, uh, the class on it at the time said this, when you're soul winning, when you're trying to lead somebody to the Lord and you're talking to them about their eternal home in heaven, they're talking. you're talking to them about knowing Christ as their savior and that Jesus died on the cross for you. This is one of the things that comes up often and the devil uses this to try to keep people from being saved. And one of the things he does is, he gets you, tries to get you off topic. You're witnessing somebody and they'll ask you, they'll throw a curveball question at you. Kind of like this one. Where did Cain get his wife from? If you, had, if you just had Adam and Eve on the earth and they had their family, where did Cain get his wife from? Uh, one of the others I know I mentioned a few weeks ago that Mike talked about uh, creation. And you think about, think about this. Any of the theories of creation, the major ones that we look at today, they all require faith, whether you're a believer or not. The first one is Christianity, which is the one we believe, that God literally created the world in six days, and that God has always existed. And you know, we, we, that's the way we believe, and we believe the Bible says that and proves that. But the other one is the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang Theory says there's these two particles, and they came together and caused a big explosion, which started things going. Well, the same thing by faith where did any of those particles come from that would have, the Big Bang would have happened? The, the next big theory in our, in our age today is evolution. And evolution talks about we came from a simple single-celled thing that, that changed and eventually became a human, a walking human. Well, the problem with that is where did that first, again, by faith, where did that first material come from? See, the, not every question is easily addressed. But I like to often say that to people when somebody's come up to that question with me and said, hey, where did, the problem I have is where did God come from? When you explain that out of the scripture that God always existed, then they'll say, well, that's why I believe the Big Bang Theory, or that's why I believe evolution. Well, the truth is um, you have to have just as much faith to believe in that as you do in God. So I choose to put my trust and faith in my creator. Uh, one of the things I've always said about me is that it's very easy to tell by the way my body works that something intelligent created it. Uh, In the world you hear the term intelligent design and those kind of things for people that aren't believers. But the truth is, I know a creator created me and loved me and took the time to fashion. Think about it, seven billion people on this planet and every one of them is designed differently. They look different, they talk different, they act different. You say, well, what about twins? What about twins? What about triplets? Truth is, even twins and triplets have differences in, their, in, their, um, in the way they are. And they might be minute, and maybe only the parents can tell, but they are, there are definitely differences. So as we come to the end here, does Cain marrying a sister or niece present a moral dilemma? No, of course not. The next slide says here, um, up until the law was instituted under Moses' leadership, Intermarriage was not considered immoral and was more common at that time, of course. There would be no moral dilemma from the time of Adam to the time of the Mosaic Covenant. And then um, let's look at our doorpost slide tonight as we wrap things up here. The doorpost slide says, God's word gives us answers to tough questions when we study it carefully. The Bible is God's word. See, the truth of the matter is this is God's word I hold here. What I say as Theo Skorzynski doesn't make a lot of difference. But what God says out of the scripture makes a lot of difference. And so as you look at that and you take the scripture, and you know what? I tell people this too all the time. As human beings, we have a finite mind. God has given us a beautiful mind that we can do a lot of things with. And it's amazing all the things your mind can recall. I still know, um, I still have my phone number and my address of the very first house I grew up in. I grew up in that house for 18 years and I still remember the phone number and the address of that house. That is unbelievable to me that my mind still retains it. Now, don't get me wrong, I forget everything else. I hate passwords for my computer. I forget every password I ever have. If I don't write it down, I'm always the guy clicking on, yes, I forgot my password, uh, yes, I don't know even know my user ID, I'm an idiot, send it to me, <laughs> you know, they email it to you and you're able to get back on, then, then the worst thing happens, right? you got to create a new password. They don't just let you on and for good. You got to get back in there and create that new password. But God has answered. We have a finite mind, but God's mind is infinite. I think one of the greatest things about getting to go to our eternal home in heaven will be that we'll have the mind of Christ then, a true mind of Christ where we understand. See, right now, we don't understand the way, reason God does something a certain way. Um, I don't, I don't know that I understand all the reasons why God started with one man, Adam, one woman, Eve, and that's how he decided for things to go forward, uh, but you know what? He's smarter than me, and I know that there's a reason he had for everything from creation to salvation. Uh, when you think about cr- the, the Bible saying about God and about Christ that they're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, again going back to the authority of Scripture in all things. And you know what, let's just face it, sometimes people ask us questions, and you know what the answer is sometimes? I don't know the answer to that. Um, The more I teach here at the Christian school, the more I, uh, you know, I love Google because I can Google things and I can find out something maybe I didn't know if somebody asked me a question, but the truth is there's sometimes when we just need to say, I don't know that answer, but I'm going to study it in the Scripture and I'm going to get back to you. Because a lot of us, let's just get down to it, we will not witness because we're afraid we don't know enough Scripture, or we're afraid somebody's going to ask us a question like this that's very difficult to deal with and to answer sometimes. But it's really not that difficult when we look at it in the context of Scripture. This is our life manual from God, and God gives us what we need to know in it. And so um, the next slide after the doorpost says... Why is it important that we develop an honest and clear response to the thought that God encouraged immorality or that he was okay with the moral dilemma? Well, then we look at it tonight? There was no biological problem. There was no immorality. There was no moral dilemma. Everything that was in God's plan was okay. And then the last little slide here says, uh, well, coming up on the last slide, it says, does this truth encourage you? In other words, does the truth of the scripture encourage you? Maybe not this exact point that we talked about tonight, but i gonna be honest with you. When I first saw this was the Sunday school lesson I'd be dealing with tonight, I thought, you know, why this particular message? But you know, there's a lot to learn from Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. I think about Adam and Eve committed the first sin. What did they try to do after they committed that first sin? They tried to hide from God. And really, that's how we feel. Sometimes we just feel like, We did something wrong, we just want to hide it from God. God called them out just like he called Cain out. They tried to hide and God said, where are you? God knew right where they were, but he asked Adam and Eve, where are you? And then remember they had uh, found out that they were both naked, so they made, uh, they put uh, leaves and different things on them to cover themselves. God said, nope, that's not good enough. I need to make, uh, and he made them clothes out of animal skins. But you know, the truth is we can look at Cain and we can be hard on him and hard at what his, his life was like, but we, we need to take a serious look at our own lives every day. I know I do. I look at it and I say, wow, God, I can't believe you love me. I did this, you still love me. I did that, you still love me. And the truth is, God loves you tonight. Bible says it very clear. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, don't, don't try to clean your life up. You're never going to be clean enough to get into heaven on your own. Bible even says so in Ephesians 2 8 and 9 that it says, not a, not a works. Why? Lest any man would boast. And so, the uh, Bible is very clear, clear in John 14 6 Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. God said it in John 14 6. In uh, 1 John 5, very clear, it's a passage that says we can know we're going to heaven. It says, uh, in 1 John 5, it says that uh, those that have Jesus have life. Those that don't have Jesus don't have life. But in verse 13, it says, we can know we have eternal life. And if you look at that verse carefully, first of all, the two reasons we can know that we have eternal life. One, God put it in his holy word so that we could know we're going to heaven. And second of all, it says, it just said, for those of you, uh, if you look right there at the verse, these things that I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, you may know you have eternal life, you may believe on the name of the Son of God." But see, what did it say right before it said, you know you have eternal life? It says that you believe on the name of the Son of God. And I think we try to make our salvation harder than it is. Truth is, we just got to swallow our pride. Um, Giovanni was talking about it this morning as he put his comments on the morning message here, uh, he's talking about Mr. Nino teaching in the, youth, in the children, the ABCs of salvation basically admitting that we're a sinner, and then believing that Christ died for us, and so on, and then committing to him. And uh, I, I know that's not the exact plan, word for word, but it's that easy. Scripture just tells us, we just swallow our pride, and we say, first of all, Romans tells me all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I, once I realize that, I realize I'm a sinner, then what's the next logical step? I need somebody's savior. I can't die for you because I'm a sinner. My death for you would be no, no good, just like your death for me would be no good. We need a perfect Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ, God's Son. And then once we put our faith and trust in Him, when we just, we just bow our heads and we just tell Him, just like Pastor mentioned this morning as he led us through the sinner's prayer, you just bow your head and you tell God that you are a sinner and that you, you need a Savior and that you want Him to be your Savior, that you believe He died on the cross and that you want Him to come into your heart and, and and to live forever, and so that you'll have a home in heaven. And if you've done that, great. Maybe since the time you've did that, you've messed up. Well, then just take 1 John 1, 9 to heart, and say, hey, I've messed up God. Bible says, if I tell you, um, if I confess, you'll cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, again, Christ died for every sin I'll ever commit, but he's just like any good earthly parent. When your child gets in trouble, you just want to hear the you just want the, the child just needs to come to the fact where they admit to the parent, I've done wrong. And really, uh, as Christians, we still do wrong. We're, we're, we're either a lost sinner or a safe sinner. Lost means you're without Christ, and a safe sinner means you have Christ and you're on your way to heaven. But the truth is, we're still going to mess up at times. And uh, just like Cain, he had to get back on track in his life, and um, God still blessed him with a wife and a child and so on. But thank you for listening tonight here at Mountain Avenue Baptist Church. Let me encourage you, if you have more questions on salvation or those kind of things, uh, things from the Bible, just contact us here at the church. And, of course, we look forward to seeing you Wednesday night as Pastor uh, uh, preaches out of the Bible for us on our Wednesday night Bible study and we could share some of our prayer requests to one another. Uh, Don't forget to pray for the ones that have been mentioned, for uh, uh, Charlie Davis, even though he's back at home, be praying for him. Pray for Dwayne Carr. And just pray from others that may uh, need God's touch at this time. Uh, but let's close in a word of prayer tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you do. We praise you now. I pray for a uh, pastor. Give him strength and wisdom as he leads our church and our school. I pray for every person uh, that, are, that, that comes to our church, Lord, that you would meet their needs, whether they be physical or spiritual. And Lord, I just pray you'd help them. Uh, For people just going through this, being secluded at home, and maybe going through some depression and those kind of things, be with their mind, help them, encourage them. Lord, if anybody's listening and doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And then, Lord, continue to bless, as we mentioned, uh, Dwayne Carr. Bless Charlie, Lord, and just uh, bless each person in our church as the need's there. And we thank you now and give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good night, and we'll see you on Wednesday.